When we get to this time of the year, I sometimes feel like that. And I don't know what your November, December has been like, but you kind of need a battery boost. And so this morning's passage we're going to be looking at is a spiritual battery boost. So if your shoulders have been pointing at the earth and your head even further south, you need to look up. Look up to God's Word. Look up to the truths it contains. And be boosted for the spiritual work that we still have while Jesus Christ has not yet returned. And so let's look at this passage this morning from Luke chapter 9 and we're going to be reading from verses 28 to 36. Luke chapter 9 verse 28 to 36. Some eight days after these sayings, Jesus took along Peter and John and James and he went up on the mountain to pray. And while Jesus was praying, the appearance of his face became different and his clothing became white and gleaming. And behold, two men were talking with him and they were Moses and Elijah who, appearing in glory, were speaking of his departure which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions had been overcome with sleep. But when when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. And as these were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. Not realizing what he was saying. And while he was saying this, a cloud formed and began to overshadow them and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. Then a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they, that is the disciples, kept silent and reported to no one in those days any of the things which they had seen. While this day that's described here started out like any other normal day, but it suddenly changed. And I want to jump right ahead to the end of my sermon right here. So if you need to go, I've said what I wanted to say. I look forward to that day when Jesus Christ comes because It's going to be a normal day. You're going to wake up. You're going to brush your teeth. You're going to do whatever you do in the mornings. And then suddenly Jesus is going to come. And everything will change. These disciples thought it was just going to be an ordinary day. But everything changed. Luke chapter 21 tells us what will happen on that day. Luke chapter 21 Verses 25 to 28. There will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth dismay among nations in perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves, men fainting from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world for the powers of the heaven will be shaken. And here it changes. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. I am so grateful for this passage, 
Because it gives us a little bit of a glimpse ahead of that great day. You see, up to now, Jesus had been trying to tell his disciples and you and I who he is. And so he goes to them in verse 20, back in Luke chapter 9, and he says to them, who do you say that I am? Who do the people say that I am? But who do you say that I am in your heart? And then he tells them who he is, verse 22, that he is going to be the suffering Messiah. I have to die, he says, and I have to be put to death by men. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. So, I am the suffering Messiah. And then in this passage this morning, verse 35, God in no uncertain terms as a third testimony, and if you know anything about Jewish testimony, three was what was needed. God comes in as the third testimony and he says, I will tell you who this is. He is my chosen one. Listen to him. This is my son. There's no uncertainty there. So let's go and look at this prayer meeting. Come to our next prayer meeting, by the way. Let's see what happens. A different prayer meeting. Says verse 28, Jesus went up on the mountain to pray. And so there he calls his three disciples with him. And he says, come, we are going to go and pray. And so they trudge after Jesus. And uh, they fall asleep while Jesus is praying. You see, why was Jesus going up on this mountain to pray? Well, we need to ask ourselves, what lay ahead? Jerusalem lay ahead and everything that went with that. The agony of death. But more so for Jesus, the separation from his Father that he knew would take place. And so Jesus goes to his Father for comfort. And what an answer to prayer he gets at this prayer meeting. Because it says to us that while he was praying, while Jesus was in prayer and his disciples were asleep, a change happened to Jesus. The word is a metamorphu happened to him. A change that came about from within happened to Jesus. And it started on his face. His face started to change. And we're going to look at that change that happened. But you know, Jesus was praying and he was asking the Lord to give him peace. He was asking his Father to comfort him. And as he prays, this change started to happen in him. And you know, doesn't God promise that to us when we come to Him in prayer? He says, come to me and I will answer your prayers. And where does that that answer come from? It comes from a God who works inside of us and He starts to change us when we ask Him to do that. This is what happens here to Jesus. And so let's look at this different Jesus and please understand what I'm saying by that. Jesus' face started to change and three things started to happen At this transfiguration, his face became different, says Matthew 17, verse 2. His face shone like the sun. So there was Jesus praying. And you've got to imagine this in your mind's eye as we hear God's word describing to us what happened over there. As Jesus is praying, his face starts to shine. Now that's not normal. His face starts to glow. 
Light to the sun, says Matthew. But not just that, his clothes became brilliantly white. And the word specifically used there is, his clothes started to flash like lightning. Imagine that. His face shining, his clothes bright and flashing like lightning. Where else have we read about this? Moses, back in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 34, he came down the mountain and his face was shining so brightly from this reflected glory of God in whose presence he had been in that the people became terrified and so Moses had to put a veil over his face. And so here Jesus is, God, but in the presence of God and he's transformed. The second thing that happens at this transfiguration, you see there in that verse, is that Moses and Elijah appear. Now, if you understood anything about history, you would gasp, because these people were dead. But here they appear. And it's Moses and Elijah, specifically those two. No one else. Those two specifically. Why? Because Moses was a representative of the law that God had given to his people. And so the law appears in embodied form with Jesus. And Elijah himself appears, the great prophet, representing all the prophetic um, prophecies that had been made right through history. And both of these stand there speaking to Jesus. The law had pointed to the Messiah coming. The prophecies had pointed to the Messiah's coming. And here, Jesus, the one who had come to fulfill both the law and the prophecies, stands speaking to these two. And there's another prophecy fulfilled. And then the third thing that happens is, Moses and Elijah, if that's not surprising enough, they start talking with Jesus. Now you've got to think about this. These two Old Testament characters who only knew about the Messiah as a mystery, they stand talking to the actual Messiah so many hundreds of years later. Here they are, speaking to him. Man, that gets me excited. Because I think about heaven one day, and who's going to be there, and who I can speak to. And it's all going to be amazing. The prophet, prophet. Paul is going to be there. The great preacher Paul. I want to speak to him. He was bald too. I want to speak to Moses. I want to speak to Joshua. Who do you want to speak to? You see, they ain't to be there because they belong to the Lord. That's an amazing day. And here are these two, Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. What an amazing scene. And in the background, I just see these apostles snoring. Anyway, they'll wake up soon. What was the topic of the discussion? The Bible tells us, verse 31, they were discussing Jesus' departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. So that's what they were talking about. Now, they didn't hear that, these sleeping disciples. The Bible tells us this through Luke, who's inspired by the Spirit to write what he's told to write. And so we know the topic of the conversation. These three are standing there speaking about Jesus' departure which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. In other words, Jesus' imminent death and his separation 
from his father for three days. So what would they have been discussing? You see, remember why Jesus had come? He had come to plead before his father to give him strength. And so what were they talking about? They were talking about his first departure to death. Jesus had to die. And that's what Jerusalem was all about. The physical death, the separation from his father. He was going to die. And by that death, he would bring redemption from sin. They were talking about this. Imagine Moses and Elijah talking about redemption. The other thing they must have been talking about was Jesus' departure from the place of death after three days. His resurrection from from the dead. And bringing new life to millions and millions of people. That's just part of his departure. His departure from death. And they were also talking about his imminent departure from the earth to heaven, his ascension, in which he brought hope to so many of us and still brings hope. That's what they were talking about. What a topic for these Old Testament figures to be discussing. And so, what was the purpose of the transfiguration? Two things. Firstly, in answer to Jesus' prayer, Jesus was being strengthened for this bitter trial which lay ahead of him. And he was being reminded of the Father's constant love and the glory that would follow his suffering. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 tells us about that. 1 Peter 1.11 says that Jesus was strengthened. He was reminded of his constant love of his Father and the glory that would follow. So Jesus was being strengthened in answer to his prayer. And the second purpose of this transfiguration was for these sleeping disciples. These disciples who were commanded, and I'm jumping ahead now, but we'll get back to this. These disciples who were commanded to listen to Jesus. And by implication to you and I, as we hear this word coming out to us this morning, to listen to him, to listen to him today. The church, in other words. All those who believe, as we see and as we contemplate the truth of Jesus revealed as the glorious Son of God. Are you encouraged to listen to Jesus as He is revealed as the glorious Son of God this morning? Well, let's turn now to these indifferent, snoring disciples. Peter and these disciples were sleeping while Jesus was praying. It was the first but not the last time they would sleep during a time of crisis. The other time would be at Gethsemane when Jesus is about to be arrested and crucified. And there, what do we find? Snoring disciples. I take courage from that. Because they're just human. And yet, look what God did through them. And look what He can do through you and I. And so Peter wakes up And in his half delirium, he sees these three figures and he would recognize Moses, Elijah, from Old Testamental records and from who they were standing there with Jesus Christ. And he, and he starts mouth, what's it called? Motor, motor mouth Peter. He starts just jabbering. Not realizing, said scripture, what he was saying. Lord, this is a great moment. Let's build Tabernacles, let's build booths for you three. 
For Moses, for Elijah, and for you. Now there are many people who have written all kinds of things about why he said that. Scripture tells us why he said that. He wasn't thinking. And he was so fearful of this moment that his mouth was just moving without his brain being activated. I don't know if any of you have ever been in that situation. And Peter wanted to prolong this moment. He's woken up and here's this glorious vision he's seeing in front of us, which is in front of him, which is actual reality. And he wants to prolong this moment. And so he says, let's build booths. You see, he had forgotten what Jesus had previously said about suffering. And Peter was just so caught up in this moment that he wasn't thinking of what was to come. And then let's see what God does. God comes onto the scene in the form of this cloud. God is in this cloud which envelops them and comes down on, bl- on blabbering Peter. And as we see in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 13, verses 21 to 22 and other passages, when God comes down in a cloud, it symbolizes God's divine presence with mankind. And as this cloud descends on the scene and onto these disciples, they grew very afraid and they fell down flat on their faces. You see, that is the usual reaction when we come into the presence of the Lord. We realize who He is. They fall flat on their faces. And then God speaks up from the inside of this cloud. Now what that sounded like, it must have sounded awesome, but He speaks with tender love. He speaks with comfort to Jesus. And He speaks with comfort to you and I today. The voice of God Himself saying, This is My Son, My Chosen One. Listen to Him. The first time God spoke audibly like this was at Jesus' baptism back in Luke chapter 3, verses 22, when he said, this is the one I love, identifying his son. This is the second time God speaks audibly when he says, this is my son, my chosen one. And God would speak once more audibly, and that was later in John chapter 12, and he describes it just before Jesus' death. When Jesus speaks and he says this, My soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I came to this hour. So Father, glorify your name. And then God speaks audibly. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. Again, the third witness. And so here God speaks. Let's look at his words specifically because they're really, really important. He says, this is my son. Now, God didn't just choose any old words. God was actually quoting from his own words previously. Back in Psalms chapter 2 verse 7, the second Psalm verse 7, he says these same words, an affirmation of the Old Testament Messianic quote. God repeating his own words at this time. This is my son. Specifically, this one standing before you. He is my chosen one. And God is quoting here from himself again, Isaiah chapter 42 verse 1. The only one who is fit for the task in my eyes for what I have for him to do. He is my chosen one. And then the command comes, now listen to him. And again God is quoting from his own words, 
Moses' prophetic words, Deuteronomy 18.15, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet. Listen to him. Messianic words coming true again. And that's where you and I come in this morning because again those words are ringing out to you and I. This is my beloved son, my only one, my chosen one. Listen to him. It's a direct command. It's a correction of the human tendency to override what God has given us and to replace it with our own opinion. And man, don't we know it today. People don't want to listen to Jesus and His Word any longer. They listen to their own opinion. What about you? Are you still listening to God and His Word daily? Or have you chosen to listen to your own wisdom? To the wisdom of others around you? He is the different one, my chosen one, says God. Now let's go back and look at these disciples. Very different they are now. They've been woken up. Verse 36. And so this cloud lifts. And there's no more motor mouth Peter. He's flat on his face in the presence of God. And when the cloud lifts, Matthew 17, verse 7 to 8, describes to us the scene now. As the cloud lifts, then Jesus approached and touched them. You see the disciples lying flat on their faces? Jesus comes and he touches them and says, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they raised their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. You know, I take comfort and reassurance from those words because one day I know that I will face death. And I know that when I open my eyes, I'm going to hear words much like this. Jesus is going to say to me, get up. Do not be afraid. And Jesus is going to be the one there. Only Jesus. And so do I fear death? No. Do I fear the pain that comes before death? Yes. But I know Jesus is there with me as well. We've got nothing to fear because of Jesus Christ, you see. The next time these disciples would see Jesus in a cloud was when Jesus ascended from them. Acts chapter 1 verse 9. And they would witness that. But for now, they kept silent. And they kept silent for two reasons. They kept silent because they were commanded to keep silent. Mark chapter 9 verse 9 and Matthew 17, those two parallel passages to this one, says that Jesus commanded them not to say anything until the time for his public disclosure of his glory would come at his resurrection. And so Jesus says to them, don't say anything about this now to anyone. They won't understand. But one day when I'm resurrected, then you can tell anyone and everyone what you saw here. And Peter does later. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 16 to 18. Turn with me if you would. And let's look at what Peter says when he's had some time to reflect. You see, they don't say anything either because they've got so much that's now mulling around in their heads. They've just seen this glorious scene and they're at a loss for words. They don't even need a command not to say anything. They don't know what to say. The motor mouth has been silenced. And here we hear Peter again, when God has done a great work in his life, now listen to the apostles speaking. 
Second Peter chapter 1, verses 16 to 18. This is what Peter says. For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For when He received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to Him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with Him on the holy mountain. They heard God speaking audibly. And they knew that they needed a bit of time to process what had happened. And here we see the processed witness of a great apostle. that God has changed from a blabbermouth into a rock for the church. Praise God. And so the question comes to you and I, are you any different? Are you any different? In other words, so what? We've read this in Scripture. Are you any different this morning? Or have you heard this in, in one ear, out the other? You see, I want to put a few questions to you this morning. Firstly, I want to put this to you. In this passage, God states who Jesus is. Verse 35, He says, He is unique. He is my Son, my Chosen One. Now, I want to ask you, as you sit here this morning in this auditorium, who do you say Jesus is? God says who He is, but who do you say Jesus is? And the follow-up question to that is, are you at loggerheads with who God says Jesus is? You see, you might not believe in Jesus Christ yet. And if so, then what you have to say about Jesus is very different to what God says. And as a believer, who do you say Jesus is? Is He the only one in your life? Or is there another? You see, when Jesus will be seen in His splendor again, He will next appear on the clouds. And we've kind of started talking about that this morning. Acts chapter 1, verses 10 to 11. This is what will happen when Jesus comes again. And you'd better know who Jesus is before that moment arrives. Because when that moment arrives, it is too late to change your mind. Who is Jesus to you? This is what will happen when Jesus comes again. Acts chapter 1, verses 10 to 11. And as they were gazing intently into the sky, while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood stood beside them. And they also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? Here it is. This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him going into heaven. And the moment you see Jesus Christ coming again... You must have that answer already in your heart. Who is Jesus? Is He the Chosen One? God's only Son in your heart? Are you ready? Is the second question I want to ask you. J.C. Ryle says it like this. The hour comes and will soon be here when Christ will take to Himself His great power and reign and He will put down every enemy under His feet. 
And then the glory which was first seen for a few minutes by only three witnesses on the Mount of Transfiguration shall be seen by all the world and never hidden for all eternity. Are you ready for Jesus' return? Are you ready? And the only way you can be ready is to have a hope which is placed in Jesus Christ. Is your hope placed in Jesus Christ? As you sit here. Paul was writing to Titus and he says this. He says, we are waiting for our blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Are you living in daily expectation of Jesus' return? This is not the first time I've said this from this pulpit. Are you living, doing your life with one eye on the sky? Jesus will return. But does the way you life show that? Does the way you live show that in your life? Are you living expectantly? Here's a quote that I just made up. Are you listening? Your daily expectation is directly proportional to your daily obedience. Your daily expectation is directly proportional to your daily obedience. You see, if you are expecting Jesus to return, you will live a daily obedient life. If you think it's just pie in the sky by and by, your life will show it. You will live a non-urgent life when it comes to Jesus and what He's told you to do. Are you living obediently to Him? And in God's words, are you listening to Him? Are you listening to Jesus Christ? Thirdly, I want to ask you, do you have hope? And I want to speak to you if you're a non-believer here today. And I want to give you an answer. If you do not believe in Jesus Christ, then you do not have hope. Full stop. But, you can have hope. And that is, you need to give your heart to Him. You need to give Him your whole life. You need to give Him your future. Because you cannot get to God on your own. And when you close your eyes in death, Jesus will not be waiting there for you as the one who wants to give you hope. He will be waiting there for you as your judge. And that is different. Is your hope in Jesus Christ? And for you believers, we've already read this morning Revelation chapter 4. There's your hope. There's what I look forward to. is Jesus Christ seated on that throne. And we will be seeing Him. His transfiguration is just a preview of what is to come. The crown, the kingdom, the glory. Because Scripture tells us that when Jesus finally returns, Revelation chapter 21 verse 4, all wrongs will be made right, the unrighteous will be judged, those who have trusted in Christ will enter into the immediate presence of God in the new heavens and the new earth. And God has promised that there will be no more sin, no more tears, no more death, no more pain. And we will be transformed to be like Jesus. Have you thought about that? Your face is going to glow. Your clothes are going to shine brightly because Jesus is going to transform you too and you will be with Him in glory. And so I want to remind you with Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, He says this, And be reminded today for your daily walk, 
You might be a citizen of New Zealand, but there's a greater citizenship. And are you remembering to live as a citizen of heaven? Your citizenship, says Philippians, is in heaven. And from the heavens, we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And 1 John 3 verse 2 says, And when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. That's a promise from God's word. I haven't made it up to make this exciting. God tells us that. But are you excited by it? I see two nods. Great. Is your hope in Jesus Christ? Amen. And in the same way as Jesus was strengthened this morning, verse, the fourth point I want to ask you is this. Are you strengthened? Because there's purpose for that strengthening. You see, Jesus Christ hasn't come yet. That's a future event. But are you strengthened to share your Savior's suffering? We saw that last time. Are you strengthened for the task at hand now. Why? Because now is the time of dying to self. Now is the time of carrying your cross. Now is the time of sharing your Saviour's humiliation daily. Will you listen to Him? Will you listen to Him? We've still got to walk to walk before Jesus comes. But we get passages thrown in like this to strengthen us, to boost those batteries so that we can lift up our heads and we can serve our Saviour through our daily walk. Are you listening to Him this morning? And I pray that God will do a work of strengthening in your life so that Jesus Christ will shine brightly out of your life and so that when the world looks at you, your face too will shine as Jesus shines through you. I want to read a last little quote, again from the book of Luke, chapter 21, verses 34 to 36. And I want to encourage you with with these words, because this is speaking about taking up your cross daily. Verse 34 of Luke chapter 21. Be on guard. That's how you listen to Jesus Christ. That's how you prepare for His coming again. Be on guard. Why? So that your hearts will not be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and here's the one that hits a lot of us, and the worries of life. And that the day will not come on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of all the earth. But, are you listening verse 36? But keep on the alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Come before the Lord and ask Him to strengthen you and He will answer your prayer. And no, it might not be very in exactly the same way as He did Jesus' prayer here, but He will answer your prayer. He will strengthen you for the task you have that day, this week coming this year that may lie ahead for you. He will strengthen you. 
but come to Him. Listen to Him. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You that we can read these truths. And Lord, thank You that You can encourage us in our daily walk. And Lord, we see here that even You, Lord Jesus, needed strengthening for the task that had been given to You. How much more do we need to be strengthened? And Lord, we've heard the words of Your Father, that You are the only one the chosen one, the Son of God, and that we are to listen to you. Lord, help us to listen to you with our hands and our feet and our hearts and our voices and our obedience to you. May we listen to, to you, Lord, and may you shine brightly from us so that all those who still do not know you may come to you and be saved. Use us, Lord. Keep us obedient before you, but keep us looking expectantly to your return, we pray. Amen.